Good morning. How are we? Good? Yeah, really good? Kind of good? Sort of good? All of the above, all right? All right. Uh, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Kessid, and I am honored to be sharing with you today. Um, this is literally my third sermon of the day. I did the 9 o'clock here and then jetted over to our Columbia campus for the 10, and I'm back here. So I'm, I'm hyped. I hope you're going to meet me in that flake. Like, my, I, like afterwards, I'll probably need a nap, but right now I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? We, we good? Okay. Um, if you couldn't tell by like the giant vivid that's behind me, we are in a series right now called Vivid. And the basic idea is this, is we believe this to our core, that you were made to be seen as a vivid example of a life set bright against the darkness, that we are to live full lives, bright lives. Now, now your brightness may be different than mine because we're all created uniquely but all of us are to find that vividness and, and what we're trying to do and, and, and really locate and capture in this series is not only do we want to live that way, but we want to stay living that way, right? Now, now for a lot of us, we can say we live vividly from time to time. There's, there's points that I, that I find that space and then there's points that I don't. Uh, this last week, I was talking to a friend. This last week, uh, Pastor Danny was talking about this idea of misfits and, and how Jesus created space at the table for the misfits, for the people that this world says are unimportant, and Jesus said, actually, everyone's important. And this person kind of raised their hand and said, that's me. I'm a misfit. Often in this world and in this life, I feel like I don't belong, but I do feel like Jesus invites me to the table, and I'm excited to see what's next. And in that same vein, I'm friends with this person on social media, and they posted a video, and the caption basically said, um, this is a... Uh, a video, and this is a direct representation of my walk with Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to play a really quick video for you. And I, I'm asking if you, if there's any part of how this, Im, these images come across that kind of describe your relationship following Jesus. Okay, so I want to play this video for us. There's no audio, okay? Many of us have been rescued from a really, I'll call a stuck place, whatever language you want to use before, and we're very excited to live vividly, and then, <laughs> right, <laughs> can anyone relate? So excited, God has rescued me, I'm moving to a new place in my life, and some of you, by the way, you are epically awesome, finding the stuckness, right? Like, this is, this is kind of you, this is kind of me, and I, at least good, right? This seems like an honest, uh, honest space where we can talk about this is a lot of us, right? We, we, we tend to find our vividness and then we lose it. And so what we want to do is we want to discover it and we want to keep it. And we want to find practices to, ways to live our lives so that the glory of Christ can be shown inside of our lives, right? We, we want to maintain that. We want that to be true of our lives, of the story we tell both individually and collectively. And I'll give a little caveat, a little warning as we begin. Even though I am high energy right now, I want to I warn you a little bit. A lot of the talks that we do, we'll talk about what we want to be collectively as a church, and I think that's true here also. But I want to be honest that I, I truly believe that today the Holy Spirit's coming for you. Like, not, not collectively us, but like literally you. Like, this message is meant to, to saturate deeply into your life, into your soul, and to challenge some of the beliefs that you might hold not only about God, but even about yourself. And so I want to give you a little bit of warning for that.
But also, um, if you choose to run at this point, we'll know who you are at this point. So you're kind of here at this point. So, uh, so let's begin. Let's begin a discussion about how to discover this vividness. To do so, I want to introduce you to someone. All right, I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. This, <laughs> wait, who laughed, right? <laughs> this is nine-year-old me, okay? This is nine-year-old Chris Potter. Um, he loves sports. As you can tell, he loves baseball. I'm still waiting for this little sports card, this baseball card, to hold any value. I was really hoping that that was going like, to put me through college. It didn't work, didn't work out so well for me. And, but this little young man, right, loves sports. He also loves Ninja Turtles, right? Any my Ninja Turtle friends, right? I once went to a Ninja Turtle concert, right, at this age. Yeah, legit. They have those. I went, all right? And another development happened in this young man's life at, right at this age. And this development happened in the all-important space called recess, all right? Recess, best Best actual subject, yes, it's a subject in school, right? My favorite, I don't know why we got rid of recesses the older we got. It was a really good space for me. I loved recess. recess as a sports guy, I loved, I couldn't wait to get out of the classroom and go run and play and shoot and do all the kind of physical stuff. And at this age, at Maple Grove Elementary School in Battleground, right, this incredible thing happens, right? They put in tetherball. All right? Any tetherball people here, right? You know what I'm talking about? The pole with the rope and the ball and everything? Especially my, my taller friends in here, you really love tetherball. You had an advantage. But something about, so they, this was a brand new sport. They had to teach us all the rules. And as a young athlete, I just took, I took to this sport, right? And I could not wait to get there every single day when we went out to recess, right? In fact, they actually ended up having to make, uh, I call it this, I don't think they called it this, a Chris Potter rule, right? Where originally, if you won at tetherball, you just got to keep playing tetherball. Well, I kept winning. And so eventually, they made a rule that said you could only win five times in a row, right? So I'll be honest, there may be some other like old third graders that went to this age, and they were like, that's not the story at all. But this is the story I remember, and so that's what we're going to go with, okay? So I... But I do vividly remember this idea that I won five in a row, and I was so proud, so proud to do that. And everyone said, get off the court, and I kind of strutted my little redheaded self over to the side. And I, and I stood at the end of the line, and I noticed as I stood there, like kind of basking in my own glory, right, that there was a young lady that was staring at me. Now, you know when you can kind of tell someone's looking at you, right, but you're not looking at them, but your peripheral vision kind of makes you aware of that. So I waited a few seconds, then I looked at her, and I gave her the kind of little smile like, thanks for looking at me. I don't know what's happening right now kind of thing. And she kept staring at me. And I, I was convinced at this point that this was about my tetherball skills, that she was enamored and in awe of these skills. And so uh, I, was, I was happy about that. But this young lady actually ended up kind of moving over towards me and looking at me. And as she got closer, her, her eyes got a little squinty, and she looked at me, and she, she actually was kind of focusing on my arms, and I wasn't sure why. And she looked at me, and she said, what are those? Now, I don't know if you can tell from where you are, from my friends online, from the picture. Uh, I was a redhead. Uh, and I have a whole bunch of freckles on my arms, all right? I'm, all right? My mom told me they're angel kisses, so we're going with that, okay? But if 
if you can believe it or not, at nine years old, I kind of wasn't really aware of them. I didn't spend a lot of time in front of the mirror, and I wasn't focusing on them. I was focusing on the really important things like tetherball and recess, right? But I, I can remember this moment so vividly because it's the first moment I can remember truly feeling different. It's the first moment that I, in that moment, I can still remember if I could at that point have stretched my short sleeve shirt into a long sleeve and covered up my arms, I would have because I didn't like the feeling that came over me that this, this young lady pointed out this part of me that was kind of different and kind of unique. And I, I felt like something was truly wrong. There was something to be hidden. Now, fast forward a couple of years. Uh, I want to put another picture. I'm like, see, look at this handsome fella right here, right? This guy is like in sixth grade right now. And even though this is a baseball picture, I was invited to play on the seventh grade uh, soccer team which I was really excited for. And on the very first day of practice, right, we're, we're practicing at the end of summer. We're going to go into the fall season. And we're playing like shirts and skins and everything. And I'm, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of development that happens between like sixth and seventh grade. Now, I'm playing and we're in a drill where it's kind of one person at a time is going to do the drill and you're following them. And there's someone in front of me through all the drills and he's like the best player on the team. And he's a seventh grader. And I'm behind him for this whole time, and I begin to notice this difference, right? He has, like, he has all these lines on his body, and his lines are different than my lines, right? And there's a whole bunch of really straight ones, like, in this region, and, like, his back has lines that I, I'm, like, I can't even see, but I know they're not back there, right? And this thing happened, and again, friends, I can... I don't know if you have these moments that kind of just stick in your memory, but I can remember this. Is as we're going through this, this drill, I can remember noticing the difference between us. And I would do this, and, and my mind told me what I need to do, and this, this will solve the problem, is every chance I could when no one was looking, I took my shorts and I hiked them up like half an inch, right? And I was like, what needs to happen here? I'll just hide the difference and it'll be fine. And so I'm, I promised through the drill I just kept like, Put, and then, okay, we're good. And I'll never forget him, and I know, I still know him. <laughs> he turns around, and he's looking around, and he looks at me, and he just goes, dude, pull your shorts down, right? <laughs> these, are, these are memories and experiences that are burned into my psyche, into, um, into who I am. They're the first times I can really remember that I felt like that, that there was this message that crept in that something was wrong with me. I don't think I'm the only one that feels like that sometimes. I think that there was a message that is present in our culture and in our lives and even in our churches and in our families that's there. And our job is to name that. But that's a, that's a message what I want to talk about today is that the fact that this is a learned message. See, in the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, it says that God creates humanity, and he lives with them, and he walks with them, and he teaches them how to be and live. This loving father with his children is teaching them how to be human. And he gives them direction. He gives them structure and order like any good parent would. And he tells them to not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. Right? So there's, 
if you can see the images of this family and, and, and these kids are learning how to live and be and, and dad's saying, do this and don't do that. And these are, this is kind of the way I created you to be. But then in chapter 3, as we fast forward, we see, we see a new character enter the story. And we see an alternative message is given by this character known in the story as the serpent, who tells Adam and Eve that actually, if you eat of this tree, so this message is different from the one that God gave, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Can you feel the tension? Can you feel the idea that I know something... Some of us, we, we might have to think back a little bit to like middle school, right? When all of a sudden you were squinty-eyed and what your parents say isn't so true. Some of us started a lot before middle school, by the way, right? But there's this idea that I'm not sure which truth to believe, right? There's a whole bunch of messages and a whole bunch of narratives that are showing up in my life. And I'm uncertain as to which one is the truest true. And so this story, we know it. It says that Adam and Eve, they choose to eat of this tree. And it says, starting in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 3, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Pause really quick. Now, I have an 11-year-old right now. He loves to hide and scare me. Now, early on, in, when he was younger, he, it didn't work. I could, he wasn't very good at hiding, but he's kind of like really good, right? And he can actually scare me now. Hopefully, he's not listening because I don't want him to know this yet. But that's not what this is. I, you need to see the, the weight and the gravity of what has happened here. Children of a loving father have gone from I want to be with you and next to you and teach me about how to live and how to be to now I hear you coming and I hear you voice and my response is to hide. Something has happened here. Something really deep and profound has happened here to say I'm going to run from my father, from the very one that created me. And the story says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. This is really profound, guys. We have to catch this. He said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Translation here is, that's not what I told you. You have competing narratives, competing messages in your life. And I didn't tell you that. And you are choosing a narrative that is not mine. That is not how I created you to live. Who told you that naked or being seen as you are is something that needs to be hidden? Generation after generation after generation happens, and this alternative message becomes the dominant one for us. It gets internalized, and since we don't know how to live in that tension, we don't know how to differentiate between the voice that is God's and the, and the truth that is His, and, and that's the one that's a lie, it all gets muddled in together, it becomes grafted in with all the other messages until it's all that we know. And we are convinced, and we become convinced, 
that our lives are less impressive than they ought to be. That we should be farther along by now. Have you ever felt that before? That there's this message that says where you are isn't okay. You actually should be farther down the road. Right? Where did that come from? We live in this enough and this becomes true enough that we begin to live in a place, in a word I'm going to use today called pretense. See, pretense is the result of seeking identity in the perception of others. That it's the exchange. Do you remember what the serpent did, what he said? He said, originally, if you eat of the tree, you will be like God. Now, we know from the New Testament some of the amazing things that God does in our lives. He makes all things new. He is continually making you and I new. He's recreating us, even though we are loved right where we're at. He's making us. He's creating us into the image of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's amazing. That, but that's God's job, right? Your job is to show up for that recreation, but that's not your job. But what happens, because we believe this lie, is we, we push God aside and we take on the job of recreation, and we recreate ourselves. Similar, but slightly upgraded. Right? Just a slight upgrade of that. If you want to know whether this is true, um, do you remember the last time, those of us that are old enough, do you remember the last time that you had to go get a driver's license? Right? And, and all the questions and all the things happened, but there's a point when you asked a question about your height and your weight. Yeah. I can tell by the chuckles that you feel the tension, right? That you, that, then on the height area, you kind of want to give yourself another inch or three, right? And another one, you kind of want to be a little bit creative with your accounting, right? We chuckle and we laugh, but friends, where did that come from? Why in that moment do you feel the pressure to present a version of you that's not actually you? And when did it become so normal that that moment right there doesn't bring alarm bells to us to go, what am I doing? I'm not living as my actual God-created self. Yet this has become normal. We live so much of our lives in pretense. You can, we can go story after story. If you've ever been laid off from a job or wronged before, or maybe been broken up with, right? Doesn't that story get embellished over and over again where you become more of the victim or more of the person wronged over time, right? If we were videoed and we compared the story from 10 years ago, would it be the same? See, we feel this pressure to pre present a version of ourselves that lives up to the ideals that we think we should. And yet God's just sitting over to the side waiting like a gentleman to be invited into the story to speak his truth. But what I want to do today is kind of come after some of these lies that we believe. What would you say if I told you that you were far from unimpressive in God's eyes? I think a lot of us will say, I'm, I agree, God loves me. No, 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 that's not what I said. What would you say if I told you that you were far from unimpressive in God's eyes? See, what I want to do is I want to read a declaration of the New Testament that if you believe it, and when I say believe it, not just kind of raise my hand, hallelujah, I agree with what that guy said. No, if you allow it to go all the way to your core, then you'll never have to live in pretense again. You'll never have to pretend again. Doesn't that sound awesome? Right? But this is hard work here. Ephesians 2.10 starts out with this grand declaration 
for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It begins with a grand declaration. This word masterpiece, some translations say workmanship. In the Greek is poema. This is where we get the word poem. It's an artistic word and it denotes a work of art, a masterpiece. Now poema happens only one other place in the New Testament in the book of Romans. This idea, this, this title is given to you that you are a masterpiece, but it's also given in Romans chapter 1 to God's creation. Now, I don't know if any of you are like kind of nature people and love um, nature. I want to put a couple images up on the screen here. Um, so, Any mountain friends, you love being in nature and mountain, and something about nature reminds you of God, right? Reminds you how small you are and that there's a creator, there's a designer of all of this. I'm a person, I love the ocean. Something, I can stand next to the ocean and I'm reminded of my smallness and somehow the pressure to control all that's going on in the world kind of goes away from me because I know I couldn't make all that, right? That, that smallness reminds me that there is a designer, there is an artist that made all that. Some people like looking at the night sky and they love seeing the constellation and the stars and re- again re- being reminded that someone made all this, that someone is grander than me, that is bigger than me. The New Testament uses this language to to describe those things. And I don't think anyone here would dispute that, right? But why is it when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you don't have that same sense of awe about yourself? That's what God says about you. That's what the Scriptures say about you. And what that tells me is that, friends, we have work to do because a lie has settled in and I think for most of us, if we were truly in an honest place, we, we would say we wrestle with this, or we, there's a belief that says, I'll be a masterpiece one day. Once I get this figured out in my life, once I accomplish this, once I get rid of this, I will be a masterpiece one day. And I believe that I'm loved, but I don't know if I'm a masterpiece yet. Yet, that's not what God says. He says, right where you are, right here, and right now, you are a masterpiece. You are a creation of the Creator. And He is, he is in awe of you. That, that you are beautiful. What we want to do today is do some hard work in that truth. What I'm going to ask of you is that you would be willing to open yourself up a little bit and, and declare and even find the spaces where you don't think that's true. I want to create a little bit of safety in the room as we do it because I think all of us have somewhere, right? And if you don't, by the way, you may be so convinced that you're a masterpiece that you're no longer kind of in need of God to make you new anyway because you're all new, all shiny, right? So all of us have some work to do. So the way that we're going to do this is I'm going to, I'm going to put a video up on the screen that's going to kind of tell a story. And what I want you to do is I want you to find yourself in this story. Find what's true inside of this story that's true of you, and then I'll come back up and we'll continue our conversation about how you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece. 
I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. <laughs> You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. 
Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? 
I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on, it's, it's a name, it's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying, it's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too, and I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. So who told you you weren't? Why do they have authority in your life? More than God's truth. Why is that truth truer than the one that the Creator gave us? You are a masterpiece. And this is a tension that we have to wrestle through. That we are both a masterpiece right where we are. Not tomorrow. Not when those things get done, but right now. And we have work to do. But that work is more about unlearning than it is about learning. That work is about 
unpacking the lies that you believe that have somehow been grafted into what you believe and how you believe we are to live in this world. And that is so hard to do. Our Creator God doesn't stop creating. He's making you new right now. The question is, will you participate in that? So many of us, we choose to hide from our Father. And we also choose to hide from the truth. That sometimes we believe that we are a masterpiece on some levels, but the moving forward, this growth in maturity, this trusting, this faith, is so hard to grasp. It's so hard to find. And so we, we feel this pull back to hiding and pretending. And this is, this is a rhythm that we live in over and over and over again. The people of God are to live vividly as they are, holding the tension as misfits and masterpieces. Both are true that we are invited to the table, but as our Savior invites us to the table and says, you are welcome here, he also says we have some work to do, that both are true. I pray that this is a truth that you would believe today. So I want to do something together, all right? If you're able, I'd love for you, even our friends online, I'd love for you to stand, all right? I'd love for you to stand, all right? Go ahead and do that. I want you to repeat this after me. I am a masterpiece. I almost believe you. Now, we're going to do that one more time, but here's what I want you to do. So I want you to trust that though God has given you feelings and emotions, that don't, don't, those don't always tell us the truth. That even though when I talk about this, there's parts of you that doesn't know if you believe it. We are going to trust in faith that this is true of you right now. Not tomorrow, but right now. I want you to say this in a way that you say it in front of you and that you put it on and you wear it out of this place. You wear it the, next, the, the rest of the day. You wear it this week. That even though I'm wrestling with this truth, I'm saying that it's true. So I want you to say this after me. I am God's master. You are, you know. For us to live vivid lives, this truth has to become true. You have to live this out. You have to wrestle, be willing to wrestle with it. The Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Have you ever tried to take something captive that didn't want to be before? This is a skill set. This is a truth. This is something that we need to wrestle with. We need to create spaces. We need to create spaces with pastors, with friends, with brothers and sisters and spouses a few safe spaces where I can tell the whole truth. All the ugly parts of me get to be put out into the open and I let the Savior, I let the Creator welcome me as a misfit in that place. And chisel after chisel after chisel, I am made new into the image of Christ. But friends, this will take courage. It will not take the way that this world taught you. You'll have to. You'll have to put down the alternative message and recapture and rediscover the voice that was true all along. It says, you are God's masterpiece. I, I pray that you'll do some work 
asking the question, who told me different? I'm going to pray for us as we move into a time of worship. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I feel it in my bones that this is a truth that's going to take some time to unpack and unwind. That it's just going to take the next situation where we don't feel like we're enough. It's going to take the next time where I'm compared against them, how they look, how they are, how successful that they are. And I will, I will choose the lie. I'll choose that I am not a masterpiece. But I declare over us a courage and a strength that's willing to hold that and invite you in to chisel, Lord, to find the parts of me that need to be unlearned, to find the parts of me, the lies that are so ingrained into who I am, I don't even know how to set them apart from who you made me to be. So we invite you into that truth. We look you in the eyes, Lord. Because that's where we were supposed to be all along. To not leave you, not run from our loving Father, to be right next. May we close the gap. May we look you in the eyes. And may we allow our Creator to tell the truth about who we are. God's masterpiece. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
like a flood. I don't care what it looks like. I'm so in love one more time we sing. Coming like a fire. Coming like a flood. I don't care what it looks like. I'm so in love. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, help us to look at ourselves the way that you look at us. Your perfect creation. Restored and renewed by the death and resurrection of your son. Let us find our identity in you and you alone. The only one who's worthy. We just praise your name this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you next time.